0: Labor Day has come and gone, and you know what that means? The summer is almost over. But the good news, folks, is that while summer is leaving, the SBI Show is back. This is the SBI Show. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivis Galarcep, and yes, I know, it's been a long time. It's been, uh, what is it, three months now? Yes, it's been three months since the SBI Show uh, went on a hiatus, unplanned hiatus, but it was a bit of a crazy summer for yours truly, and I had to put the show on the back burner. But I definitely want to thank all of you who, who kept on asking me about the show, who kept wondering when it would be back, and it kind of definitely gave me a sense that there was a, 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 there was a, an audience there that wanted me to come back and wanted the show to be back. And I'm here, I'm coming to you from Jacksonville, Florida. It's actually 4.23 a.m. in the morning. And I got to tell you, I was very close to just deciding to push it off another week Another couple of days. But you know what? I said, hey, when are we going to get this started? What's a better time than now? We have World Cup qualifying Tuesday night in Jacksonville, Trinidad and Tobago against the U.S. And there's so much to talk about. So here you go. I'm sure you're listening. If you're listening to this, it's Tuesday. You're fresh off the Labor Day weekend and you're asking yourself, you know, I need to know about this game. What do I need to know about this game? Well, we're here for you. I'm here for you. I'm going to try to break it down. And uh, we'll be talking about that. Obviously, the U.S. Trinidad game. Uh, we'll also be talking about MLS. We'll even talk a little college soccer. Uh, I'm not going to have the show be too long because I don't want any of uh, any of the guests at my hotel to start complaining about me talking. Um, so I'm going to keep it kind of quiet. Uh, got a new microphone, so I don't know if it's better or worse. But uh, couldn't uh, I did not bring a cable for my regular microphone, unfortunately. But uh, we'll see how this works. This sounds pretty good, hopefully. Uh, first things first, we have to start with U.S. national team. They are back in action. They took a few months off after Copa America, and they, and they came back with a bang. Uh, they smacked up St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Uh, nice uh, 6-0 victory down there. And uh, it, it was the Christian Pulisic and Sasha Kleston show. And yes, I know they came off the bench with the game already 3-0, but what they were able to do as substitutes was impressive, and now the question is, will Jurgen Klinsmann look at that and decide to start them against Trinidad and Tobago? I think he can. I think he should, and I actually think he will. Uh, before we get into the Trinidad game and who's starting in that game, who should start? Uh, the Saint Vincent game was a, it was a good game. It was uh, and look, Saint Vincent not a tough opponent. Uh, they they really they really didn't have much for the U.S. and the the good thing for the U.S. is they went on the road. And they really were the aggressors. And, uh, you know, I liked what I saw. I liked what I saw from them. They really went after them. Um, And there were definitely some positives that that should be focused on. Obviously, everyone wants to talk Pulisic and Kleshin, how good they looked in the second half. But how about Jose Atador? He's back on the team, back in the fold. He's healthy. Obviously, he missed Copa America. Um, But he, he looked good. And I'll tell you what, him and Bobby Wood, as a partnership, I know there were some questions. How would they work together? Would it be a good fit? But I tell you what, I like what I saw. They worked well together, and uh, I think we're going to see more of that going forward. Obviously, Clint Dempsey, you know, we'll see what happens with Clint Dempsey. For those of you who've missed it, uh, and I doubt anyone listening hasn't heard by now, but he was sidelined uh, as he undergoes tests for an irregular heartbeat. Uh, They they found something, a heartbeat, something uh, irregular, and they're trying to figure out what the deal is and and, and what kind of shape he's in and, you know, what kind of, uh, what kind of danger he's in and, and how serious it is. And until that gets sorted out, the U S has to, has to go on without him. And, uh, it just so happens that right now, Josie Tudor and Bobby Wood are playing really well. Uh, they're playing well for their club teams. They come in on good form. We know how Bobby Wood did at, uh, Copa America. Uh, I know we didn't have the SBI show around during Copa America. Um, but you all remember, Bobby Wood looked good. He looked good at Copa America, and he really kind of made a case for being a regular starter. And I know some people thought, oh, well, if he's going to be a starter, then Jose Alcador might lose out. But guess what? You can play them together. And I think Klinsman likes what he sees from that pairing, and I think we'll see that pairing again against Trinidad. And uh, it was just good to see Alcador back. Um, and I know I know not everyone's a fan. I know some people think, you know, he he doesn't necessarily – Produce as much as, as some people think he should for the U.S., but it's interesting to see. I mean, he's moved into third place all time on the goal scored list. He's tied for the most World Cup qualifying goals in history, tied with Clint Dempsey. So he's actually put together some decent stats, and I think it's easy to overlook what what he actually has done um, because of all the injuries, because of the tournaments that he's missed and the tournaments that he's he's, he's gotten injured in. I think it's easy to look at those things and kind of overlook how important he has been at times. How strong—I mean, how strong he was in World Cup qualifying back in 2013. I mean, he really carried the attack. It's easy to forget that. People forget that because they remember him clutching his hamstring in Brazil in the first in the first minutes of that game against Ghana. It's a little unfair, but you know what? He's back, and uh, hopefully he can stay healthy because I tell you what, the U.S. is better with him in the lineup with a healthy. Inform out to the word. The U S is a better team. So we'll see what happens there. Um, that's all there really is to talk about, uh, as far as the starters go. Of course we have to start, uh, talk about, uh, Christian Pulisic and Sasha question came off the bench and just shredded St. Vincent and great to see Sasha question talking about a guy who you definitely can argue has been the best playmaker in MLS, um, for the past two years. Definitely this year. I think he has really strong argument for that. Um, and he looks good. He looks comfortable. He looks like a player who has really found his form as an attacking midfielder. And uh, he's playing with a lot of confidence. He's he's more mature now. He's a better player now than he was seven years ago when he was starting for Bob Bradley in World Cup qualifying. Go back when you go back to 2009. I mean, he was a good player then, but he's a better player now. And I know he's older, but he still brings something to the table. And when you don't have a Clint Dempsey around, you need a guy like Sasha Question. And and I know a lot of people, myself included, thought that this you know, at this point in time Darnsit and would be that guy to kind of step in and be a playmaker and 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 be that creator. But look, Darns and is not having a great year. You know, he obviously won an MLS Cup in December. He was outstanding last year for Portland, but this year he has not played at the same level. And I think it was very telling that Jurgen Klinsman put in Sasha Kleshn against Saint Vincent and not Darnton Nagby. I mean that tells me that Kleshin stepped in and showed right away that he is at a different level than Nagby right now. And I know that I know some people might not like the sound of that. I'm sure people in Portland are gonna hate hearing that, but that's just the reality of it. And For whatever reason, Nagby's not playing at his best. And uh, until he does, he's going to take a back seat and say a shot to Kleshton, credit to Sasha Kleshton. He took advantage of his opportunity, and I think he's earned himself a start. I think he'll start against Trinidad. And I really want to tell you what, I really want to see him and Michael Bradley together. Again, we'll talk about Trinidad in a minute, uh, but let's just wrap up the St. Vincent uh, conversation. And Christian Pulisic, I mean, come on. I feel like a lot of people were waiting for him to have this kind of game to show the things that people are waiting for, show the things people are hoping for, to see out of him. U.S. fans, desperate for the golden child to emerge, for the chosen one to emerge. I'll tell you what, he kind of looked like that guy. He looked like that guy, and I know, St. Vincent, It's St. Vincent. You can't read too much into it, but I think it said a lot that he got on the field there and looked so comfortable. That first touch, confidence on the ball, the shot, his non-celebration after his second goal. I mean, the kid's got a swagger. There's no question about it. And he's got skill. And uh, I think the future's now. I think the future is now for Christian Pulisic. Obviously, he's got to sort some things out at Dortmund. Big-time competition there for playing time. When you think about the players that they have in that roster at Dortmund, it's not easy. It's not even easy for him to get playing time. Obviously, you have Marco Royce, FIFA 17 cover boy, who's pretty much the guy that Pulisic is the backup, to as a left winger. But then you have Andre Schurler, who they signed, Usman Debele, who they signed this summer, uh, Mario Götze, who obviously could play centrally, he can play wide. It's a lot of midfielders uh, for for not that many minutes. So, Christian Pulisic, uh, I think, if, I mean, the good thing he's 17, he's turning 18 a couple of weeks. Um, so you don't have to go too crazy. If he sits on the bench a bit, if he doesn't play as much now for Dortmund, I don't think people need to get in a panic mode. But I tell you what, right now for the U.S., he's good enough to play. He's good enough to play. He's good enough to go up against a team like Trinidad. He's good enough for me to go up against a team like Mexico or Costa Rica, even if it's just off the bench. But the kid can play, and he's ready. And I think Klinsman knows that. I think for me, I think Klinsman's just trying to kind of maybe temper temper the hype a little bit because I think he understands and he's seen it firsthand how out of control US fans can be with promising prospects. So while he, you know, I'm sure he believes in, in, in Pulisic. I'm sure he sees what we all see with Pulisic and, and, and the quality that he has and the, and the potential that he has. But I think he's going to try to take his opportunities to tell people, hey, listen, calm down. We'll, we'll put this on our our schedule. And, we'll, and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. So, but i tell you what, I still think he's going to start against Trinidad. I don't care what. For all the misdirection. Look, is the king of misdirection. Uh, I can't tell you how many times he's, he's made certain comments. And then I don't want to say he's done the opposite, but he likes to throw people off the scent a bit. And that's the read I got from listening to his comments about Pulisic. On Monday, uh, Labor Day, his press conference, he was asked a lot about Pulisic, the one that he did not do. Was say he wouldn't start Pulisic, which for me, it's kind of the giveaway. I think me, I think he's gonna start Christian Pulisic against Trinidad. So we'll see what happens, and uh, this is gonna be an interesting game. Trinidad is qualified already; they're on to the hex. The U.S. is actually not officially in the hex yet, um, but they're pretty much in when you look at the uh, the standings and you look at what Guatemala <laughs> has to do. To catch the US. Basically, the US has to get blown out by Trinidad. And Guatemala needs to blow out St. Vincent. And it needs to be a combined 12 goal difference. And I guess what? It's guess what, folks? It's not happening. Trinidad might score a goal or two against the US. They might even beat the US. They're not blowing out the US. Don't see that happening. I, I mean I see the US winning comfortably, but even in a worst case scenario. Does anyone honestly and honestly think the U.S. is going to get blown out by Trinidad, four or five goals? Uh, I mean, personally, I don't see uh, uh, I don't see Guatemala putting eight, seven, eight, nine goals on St. Vincent. As bad as St. Vincent is, I don't see it happening. So I don't think anyone I don't think any American fans are losing sleep over those scenarios. But I think what they want to see is what kind of team Klinsmann is going to put out there now. Now that Michael Bradley's back in. Now that we've seen Kleshton look good, now that we've seen Pulisic look good, what does Klinsman do with his lineup? And i tell you what, the one thing I really would like to see, and I've ri- I feel like I've written about this in the past, going back a couple years, is I want to see Sasha Kleshton and Michael Bradley in the midfield together. And I know some people with good memories might say, no, I don't want to see that. I saw that <laughs> seven years ago, and it wasn't all that impressive. And I would argue that they're, they're better players now. They're better fit now as a tandem. Because i tell you what, when I, I, you know, you go back to 2009, Michael Bradley had a lot more attacking freedom. Uh, Sasha Question a lot of times had to defer to Bradley and had to kind of sit back, had to kind of cover for him, uh, had to kind of sacrifice some of his own attacking game in that tandem. And I feel now seven years later, Michael Bradley – is is a bit more, uh, a bit more defensive minded. I mean, a bit more sets up deeper. Uh, I think he he he's come to appreciate playing in that part of the field more. And I think Klaesson's attacking game, his his playmaking, is is so much better now than it used to be. And I think for that reason, that combo, that combo could do really well. I think that combo is what we're going to see against Trinidad. And if it does well. We could definitely see that in the Hex. Because think about it, McLe- Sasha Klesham has been, for two years now, has been playing in an attacking midfield role uh, in that Red Bulls midfield. And he he has really sharpened his tools, man. He's sharpened his attacking tools. And uh, and now we're seeing Michael Bradley at Toronto FC sharpening his defensive tools, sharpening his number six role. Uh, so I think they're going to fit. They fit well together. Hopefully Clinsman plays that, that tandem together. Uh where does Pulisic fit in? I think Pulisic, you put him on the left wing, put Bedoya on the right wing. I think that's a pretty good midfield. Um, if you play a 4-4-2, you could also go 4-3-3, maybe play Pulisic as a winger, uh, as kind of a wide forward. Uh, although for me, I think you'd probably go 4-4-2 just because Trinidad with their, with their quality on the wings. I don't know if you can get away with a 4-3-3 uh, against them. So I think we see the 4-4-2 uh, defensively. Matt Beasler. How about Matt Beasler? Let's talk about Matt Beasler. And uh, the new papa, his daughter was born while he was in the Caribbean. He was not going to make it back in time for the birth of his daughter. He stays with the U.S. team. He starts, he scores his first U.S. goal. And they do the rocking the cradle celebration. I mean, perfect. Talk about perfect. man. It was like storybook, right? I mean, if you're going to miss the birth of your daughter... That's a good way to make up for it a little bit, score a goal, celebrate, uh, you know, do the Rock the Cradle celebration. So <laughs> it was funny because when he did it, I thought to myself, his wife definitely told him, you better score a goal since you missed <laughs> this birth." And uh, it, it actually, it's funny because, I mean, I remember when my oldest son was born, uh, Ivis Jr., I remember the next morning, I went to uh, – Manchester United was in town. Uh, they were playing, and Tim Howard was playing his first game for Man United. And, this, and, of course, it was his first time back since the transfer. This is back in 2003. And I went to the press conference. I went uh, – you know, I got a chance to you know, interview Tim Howard, interview Roy Keane. And uh, I was working at a newspaper at the time, and I remember going back to the office, and the reporters at the office, particularly the young female reporters at the office – Uh, were just shocked that I would go cover an event the day after my son was born. And I was like, hey, listen, I I was there for the birth. I I handled my business there, cut the cord. You know, I was there, and there was nothing for me to do the next morning, so why not go? Why not go uh, interview Roy Keane? Why not go see Tim Howard? And it's funny because I still remember wearing the hospital bracelet on my wrist as I was at that. Uh, event in new york city and uh it was it was cool it was cool it's a it was an interesting time but i mean thinking back to that and then thinking imagining missing the birth of a child for your job is kind of crazy kind of crazy but it was just unforeseen circumstances because their daughter was born two weeks early so it just kind of worked out that way but great that he scored uh he obviously uh after that game, he you know, he left the team. He's with he's with his new daughter and his wife now. And long-winded story. <laughs> Later, you have to replace Matt Beasler in the central defense. And you got two candidates. You got Steve Birnbaum, you've got Omar Gonzalez. Yes, Omar Gonzalez is back. And <laughs> for those of you who remember, it was a pretty ugly showing the last time he was with the US, which was in Guatemala down in Guatemala, that nightmare loss to Guatemala. Um, but you know what? Credit to Omar Gonzalez. He did really well for Pachuca. He helped him win a title. He's improved as a player. He's fought his way back. After after not making the Copa America squad, he continued to work, and now he's back. And he's got some competition now, you know? Steve Birnbaum. Credit to Steve Birnbaum. He's played well every chance he's got. Every every time Klinsman has given him an opportunity... Burnbaum is taking it with both hands and done well. So that's a good competition between those two guys. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Klinsman would love to see both of them uh, play together uh, or love, love to see them play. Uh, but obviously you have Jeff Cameron there. Jeff Cameron's been a rock in the, in central defense uh, since Copa America. So, I mean, for me, it's tough. It's tough. I'd probably go Burnbaum just because of how it good he's looked for the U.S., um, Omar Gonzalez, he's, you know, his time, I think his time will come. His opportunities will come. I'm not sure it's going to happen against Trinidad, but it's going to be up to Klitschmann to make that call there. Who do you play it right back against Trinidad? Who do you put it right back to deal with Jovan Jones? DeAndre Yellen suspended. That's a tough assignment. So Michael Orozco, for me, he seems like the sensible pick because let's face it, Klitschmann loves Orozco. Orozco, Orozco, I believe Orozco played at Trinidad in November, and back then he wasn't even playing for his club team. So he's actually starting now for Club Tijuana, uh, playing regularly. Club Tijuana is in first place in Mexico. So, you know, it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility for Michael Orozco to get that assignment. Because, um, I mean, who else is there? Fabian Johnson. You could play Fabian Johnson maybe. Although I think he's, you know, if six starts... I think you want you want to make sure he has some good support behind him and I think I think a Fabian Johnson Pulisic left side makes more sense. Then I have then you have to go Roscoe. You I mean there's no one else. I mean Jeff Cameron <laughs> the days of Jeff Cameron at right back. I mean we have I feel like we haven't seen that in a while. So I think for me Roscoe's the, the the guy at right back and uh, we'll see if they can handle Kenwin Jones and Joven Jones and uh all the Jones. Uh, from Trinidad, uh, although hey, Stephen Hart, I, I had a chance to, to talk to the Trinidad coach. I ran into him at Best Buy of all places. Uh, we we were uh, we were both shopping, and uh, we had a chance to have a good chat. And uh, he said he's going to play some young guys. He's going to give some young guys a look, and uh, that 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 yeah, they've already qualified. So it's a good opportunity to give some experience to some younger guys. And, you know, for that reason, I think the U.S. has a really good chance to take all three points here. Uh, I think they'd have the chance even if Trinidad played all their starters. But when you think about Trinidad playing some young guys, the Americans should handle their business. Uh, moving on to other parts of CONCACAF. Uh, you know, the HEX starts in November, and, and we, we have a much clearer picture of the other teams that will be competing in the HEX. Uh, we already knew Mexico had qualified, but now Panama has qualified joining Costa Rica out of their group, and that means that Jamaica will not be in the hex, and uh, it's a little, I gotta say, it's disappointing and surprising to see a Jamaica team that looks so good at the 2015 Gold Cup uh, just really fall flat in qualifying, it's it, it, it's, a, its a bit of a surprise, I gotta tell you, I, th- I thought Jamaica was ready to kind of take another step, and uh, credit to Panama, they still have that that older nucleus of players that continues to go roll along you still got Blas Perez there uh, you know Felipe Beloy they they they, they have a group there that, that's determined to get to a world cup and now they're in the, they're onto the hex and so so now you have Panama, you have Costa Rica, you have Mexico, you have Trinidad, you have Trinidad what did I say Trinidad you have Mexico, Costa Rica, Trinidad, Panama and there's two spots left to go the U.S. is probably going to have one of those spots. And then the other spot is looking like Honduras. Honduras defeated Canada 2-1, uh, putting Canada's chances on, on life support, although Canada still has an outside chance. Uh, they basically need to uh, win comfortably. They need to, to put up some goals in their game, and uh, and then they need Mexico to beat Honduras. If they, if they can put up goals on El Salvador, and if, if uh, Mexico can handle Honduras, then hey, U.S. could get in. I mean, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you could you could see Canada get in, and uh, it's a five-goal difference that they have to make up. And I mean, I know that sounds kind of uh, insurmountable. I mean, Mexico, Mexico still has something to play for, even though they've already qualified. Because <laughs> let's all face it, Mexican fans are still uh, feeling the effects of that blowout loss to Chile, and they want to see this this Mexican team play well. They want to see this Mexican team flex its muscle and show that it has improved, to show that it has recovered from that embarrassing loss. And And, and their 3-1 to win in El Salvador really didn't appease Mexico's fans. And i tell you right now, Juan Carlos Tesoro is feeling the heat. He's feeling the pressure uh, of trying to kind of make up for that loss to Chile. I mean, you're never going to erase the memory because it is burned into the minds of all Mexico fans. However, if Mexico can start playing really well, can start putting some victories together that shows people they're heading back in a positive direction, that the pressure will ease off a little bit. Um, but that 3-1 win in El Salvador, they actually were losing in that game. Uh, I don't think that did much to, to 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 win back any Mexico fans. So I think this game in Azteca, I think Mexico is going to go. They're, they're going to be out for blood. I think they're going to look to put a big number up on Honduras. Um, and Honduras is an interesting team because I think they have some good attackers, some good attacking quality. I'm not sold on their defense. Um, so I think Mexico could do could could score some goals on Honduras. And then it leaves it up to Canada I actually think Mexico will do what needs to be done for Canada, but I'm not sure if Canada will do what needs to be done for Canada. That's the big question mark, right? Can they take care of business at home? Can they put up the goals they need to put up? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I I'm hoping. I'm ho- I'm rooting for Canada. I'll, I'll gladly say that. Nothing against Honduras, um, but it's been so long since Canada's been there in the hex and, and you want to see... Them take that next step. There are neighbors to the north. You know, they obviously have Kyle Aaron, uh the MLS standout for Orlando City. So I'm not saying I'm rooting for Canada, but it'd be nice to see Canada, you know, give give the fans up there something to root for, something to cheer for. Uh, although Honduras, man, Honduras is a tough team. They, they have that generation coming up now that, that looks so good at the Olympics. They have that talent. Uh, so they're not easy. They're not an easy team to deal with. So, and I tell you what, I would not mind going to San, San Pedro Sula for a qualifier again. I think that the atmosphere there is amazing. Uh, hostile environment, usually super hot. I've been down there a couple times, and it's uh, it's crazy. It's crazy down there. So, uh, either way, I'll be happy. But it, I think it'd be cool to see Canada get back into the hex, and uh, it'll all be sorted out on Tuesday night. Uh, triple header action in CONCACAF. And for those who don't know, the X the Hex uh, hexagonal round of, of World Cup qualifying begins in November. It doesn't begin next year in 2017. It actually begins in November. And the crazy thing is the US national team, they beat Trinidad, they'll finish first in the group. And guess who they play in their first game of the Hex. You got it. You guessed it, Mexico. They'll play Mexico in Columbus, most likely Columbus. I mean, it hasn't been announced, but let's just say it's going to be in Columbus uh, in November. And then they'll go to Costa Rica. Talk about a tough two games. The Pretty much the toughest pairing of games that you can get if you're the U.S. But you know what? I actually think that's not a bad thing. I think that's a good thing because you want to – right now the U.S., is, they're feeling pretty good coming off the Copa America. Uh, I think confidence is high. And I think they'll go in. You you want to get those tough games out of the way, you know, win or lose, and then you know what you need with the rest of the games. Um, So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Uh, But it's going to be great. I tell you right now, folks, save your money, start making your plans, because you're not going to want to miss the the game in Columbus, and you don't want to miss the chance to go to Costa Rica, because I think I've said it before. Uh, for me, the the Costa Rica trip is, is, along with Mexico, those are two trips. If you're can, if you going to travel for World Cup qualifiers or if you're going to travel for U.S. national team games in general, you want to go to Azteca and you want to go to Costa Rica. I mean, it's just simple as that. I mean, those are two great trips. Costa Rica is a great country to visit as it is. But then to go there and support the U.S., uh, who's never won there, by the way. They've never won a qualifier in Costa Rica. And... Uh, I can tell you right now the, the, the Costa Ricans can't wait to get the U.S. Uh, down there because I, the f- funny thing about Costa Ricans are they have not gotten over the snow game. I've been down there. I've been down to Costa Rica, and they'll still bring up the snow game. It's like this, bur- this is like burned in their minds now that they will never get over the snow game. Um, so that'll be great. But, hey, first things first, U.S. has to take care of business. They have to in Trinidad. If they do that, then start making your plans, folks. Start booking your flights. Start booking your hotels. Start making your arrangements with your friends. and Get that couch squared away, whatever it is. November is going to be wild because Colum- Mexico and Columbus is always a fun time. Dos a zero on deck. And then Costa Rica. Maybe we'll finally see the U.S. go to Costa Rica and win a qualifier. Who knows? It's possible. Uh, that's it for the international front. And uh, before we get to MLS action, cause we're definitely going to have to talk MLS. Uh, I did want to talk a little bit about, uh, SBI soccer.com. Uh, if you're listening and you're uh, an aspiring writer, if you want to write about the game. If you have written about the game and if you'd like to write about soccer, uh, for a, a respected outlet, uh, like to think sbi <laughs> soccer is a respected outlet. We are looking for writers and, uh, you know, we, We've got a, a pretty good staff. We're a little shorthanded. We've, we've had some, some people move on uh, to other positions elsewhere, and uh, it's what we do. We're, we're a bit of a, an academy, so to speak. We've had a lot of people come through the SBI Academy and move on to bigger and better things in the soccer writing world, and uh, maybe you could be that next person. So if you're interested in joining the staff, definitely reach out to us. Reach out to me, and uh, we can discuss that. We, we're looking for writers. doesn't matter where you are in the country. Uh, whether you're the West coast, East coast, you name it, Pacific Northwest, we're looking for people everywhere. So if you're interested, definitely reach out. You can reach me. Uh, you can email me at soccer at at gmail.com. Uh, so yeah, we're looking. So if you're interested and, uh, you know, you've, you've got a little bit of experience as a writer that helps. that definitely helps because, uh, you know, every once in a while we get people who love the game, but they haven't really written and, and they don't understand what goes into writing. It's not as easy as it looks. Uh, trust me on that one. But yeah, so we're looking. If you're interested, let us know. And uh, I know some people have asked about the site and how it's going. And, 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 you know, it's 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 had better days, but it's still chugging along. We've got a good group, of, uh, a good group of people there uh, keeping it rolling. Uh, obviously, my role has changed there in case you guys haven't figured that out. Uh, I'm at goal.com. I'm, I'm a full time at goal.com, senior writer slash deputy content manager at goal.com. I've been doing that for a couple of years now, so that's my full time job. And I still oversee SBI, but obviously I don't write uh, on the site as much anymore. But I pretty much am the coach, if you will, of the group that we have there. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to keep it rolling. So. Uh, we've got some talented young guys that, uh, that that are are developing and 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 keeping keeping things going along, and uh, we're hoping for a big year ahead uh, on SBI Soccer. So keep reading, make sure you have us bookmarked, make sure you follow on Twitter at, uh, at SBI Soccer, uh, and also on Facebook. Uh, check out our Facebook page; we have updates there as well. Um, but yeah, we're just keeping the empire rolling along. Speaking of empires rolling along. Getting back to MLS action in the L.A. Galaxy. Talk about a team that had a rough uh, week recently. Uh, the departure of Nigel DeYong, the broken foot, and sur- subsequent surgery for Jossie Zardes, injuries to Steven Gerrard and Jelle Damme. But guess what? None of that matters because Bruce Serena is still the coaching maestro. He helped lead the L.A. Galaxy to a victory, two-to-one victory over the Columbus crew. And let's face it. The Columbus Crew are having a nightmare season. Uh, they were missing a bunch of players, so it, it wasn't it wasn't the biggest, most surprising victory yet. But you know what? It's still a big win for an LA Galaxy team that had looked a little shaky, and with all those injuries and absences, you were starting to wonder: Could this be it? Because could this be the downfall of the Galaxy Empire, the Galaxy Dynasty? Could this be the year? That they tumble out and don't even make the playoffs. I mean, let, settle down, folks, because guess what? They're still going to have Robbie Keane. They're still going to have Gio Santos. They're still going to have Steven Gerrard, Sebastian LeJet, Mike McGee, uh, they, they, Bandama. Damme, uh, you know, they, AJ Della Garza. They're still a stacked team, right? They're still one of the better teams in MLS, and they still have Bruce Arena on the sidelines. So they're going to be in the conversation. They're going to be there. Believe it. Believe it. They're going to be there in that conversation. Now, having said all that, we do have to talk about this Nigel Young transfer or free transfer uh, to Galatasaray because I, I know there was, a, <laughs> there was a lot of controversy about it uh, because it kind of came out of nowhere, you know. He, Nigel Young was doing well for L.A. He was playing really well. And I know he, there was the whole tackle with Nagby and Nagby and, and him having, obviously, a reputation as a dirty player. Uh, he was not a fan favorite outside of LA, obviously. But he was a good player. He was playing well for LA. He was doing the job that they brought him in to do, which was be that kind of you know to be that defensive midfielder, to be that, that kind of anchor in the middle. And he did that job. He did it well. And uh, you know, you really you really wondered what would happen with that situation because, as we all know, his contract would have uh, kicked in into a guaranteed designated player contract. 2017 and 2018, if he played a certain number of games, and he was on his way to playing that number of games, but uh, you know the LA Galaxy made that decision that you know what, we don't want this guy, we don't want this guy long term. Um, This was not a case of Nigel De Jong wanting to leave. Uh, You know, for the you know everyone I talked to, he wanted to stay. And I don't even think this was a case of uh, the galaxy wanting him to leave, or Bruce Arena wanting him to leave. Because tell you what, if you listen to Bruce Arena's comments after DeYoung left, that did not sound like a coach who wanted him to leave. So, if (laughs) so, it's interesting because if DeYoung didn't want to leave, and Bruce Arena didn't want him to leave, then who made the decision? And uh, I think you got to look at the upper management, right? I mean, the bean counters, the uh, Chris Klein, the president, uh, you know ownership so cuz i mean i tell you what my theory on the whole thing is that LAFC is on the way LAFC is coming they just broke ground in their their multi million dollar facility in downtown LA they are 2 years away from being a serious problem for the galaxy right so if you're the galaxy you see this like impending uh, you know, rival, in, in, this impending threat, you start taking stock of things. You start looking long-term. You start thinking long-term. You start thinking big picture, and you're looking at it and you say, listen, we need to be ready to go at them. We need to be ready to match them toe-for-toe, toe-to-toe, star-for-star, dollar-for-dollar. And maybe they looked at their their books, and maybe they looked at that Nigel de Jong contract, and they said to themselves, do we really want... 33, 34 year old Nigel De Jong, making three million, three and a half million dollars a year in 2018, 2017, and ultimately the answer was no, right? I mean, what else could it be? Um, so from that standpoint, you understand why maybe they did that, but at the same time, you're here to win titles, and. Getting rid of Nigel Young hurts their chances of winning a title this year. There is no question about it because they don't have anyone like him. They were never going to go find someone to replace him because of the timing of the deal. The deal was too late. It was after, you know, the the, the freeze. I mean, well, the roster freeze actually hasn't happened yet, but the transfer window is closed. So they're not going to go find an unemployed soccer player who can give them anything like what Nigel Young could give them. So, uh, it, it, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it was. It was a trade-off, a long a trade-off. They traded away some short-term quality to free up their options long-term. And if you're a fan, obviously, fans think in the now. Fans think about this year, about right now, and about winning now. Uh, and I think coaches are the same way. But, you know, if you're in the front office, you're in that, you know, that corner office on the top floor overlooking LA, and you're saying to yourself, "Man, LAFC is going to be a problem. LAFC is going to go get Cristiano Ronaldo. They're going to go get Jeff Cameron. They're going to, they're going to have a stack squad from day one, and they're going to have a beautiful stadium. We need all our DP slots ready to go. We need to go get Zlatan Ibrahimovic or whoever, whoever they need to get. It's going to be an arms race in LA, folks. I'll tell you that right now." LA is going to be a serious, serious competition because for all of the Galaxy's history, for all of their championships, the fact remains they play in Carson, which is south of LA, and LAFC is about to plant their flag right in the middle of LA, and anyone who hasn't been hooked by the Galaxy is going to is going to gravitate to the LF the new team, the LAFC team. So. Uh, the Galaxy had their hands full. They had their hands full. No question about it. It's going to be fun to watch. And I know people from the smaller markets in America who don't have MLS teams are going to sit there and say, oh, another big city with two teams that they don't really need. And then, you know what? I, I'm Just like I didn't agree with that logic when it came to New York, I disagree with that logic with L.A. L.A. can absolutely have two teams, and I think it's going to be huge for the league. So we'll see what happens there. But, uh, yeah, no, the Young thing was weird, and then, of course, there was that video <laughs> MLS soccer put out, basically trashing Nigel Young. And as you may or may not know, if you listen to the show or if you follow me on Twitter or if you listen to me or if you read my stuff, I really don't go after colleagues ever, ever. i you know even I mean there's people that I cannot stand in my profession, but guess what? I'll never go at them even when they mess up, or even when they say stupid things or do stupid things. I like for me, it's just professional. Courtesy. That's just how. I, that's how I roll. That's how I. How I was brought up. That's how I grew up in the business. Like you keep that stuff private. We're all here trying to do the same job. Not you know. We're all gonna make mistakes. Uh, so, there's never a need to go after someone publicly. But I tell you what, MLS soccer, for whatever it is that they think they are now, or try to be. That video was embarrassing. And if you didn't see the video, basically they put a video out just kind of, trying to rationalize letting Nigel the young go and they did that by basically ripping him by basically saying here's a guy who didn't score any goals didn't have any assists and and it was it was like a good riddance video and it was just weird for the league's website to just trash a player who didn't do anything wrong i mean yes he had the ugly tackle on the young but he, he he played. He played well. He he didn't do anything wrong. And the 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 zero goals and zero assists like that was stupid to even bring up. He's a defensive midfielder. This is absolutely idiotic. But I, I, obviously MLS soccer figured it out and they got rid of this video. But it was not a good look. It was not a good look at all. And I mean, for for the conspiracy theorists out there, you know, it'd be easy to look at that and say, "Well, where did that come from?" Is that the league office? Is that the league office sending message from on high to the to the you know marketing arm slash news site that is MLS Soccer and telling them, hey, guys, we need a video justifying this move because, <laughs> let's face it, it's kind of not justifiable. Let, let, let's make a video and talk about how bad Andrew De Young is. And MLS came through. They came through uh, not in a way that was good, but they did it. And hopefully there was a lesson learned there, and hopefully uh, MLS soccer does better next time with that same kind of situation. But that was a weird thing all around, weird thing. I mean, the pictures of Nigel De Jong in Turkey at the airport in Galatasaray. I mean, this guy did not look happy. I mean, he was, he was chilling. He was chilling in L.A., enjoying life, Manhattan Beach. I mean, we saw the tweets. We saw the Instagram. He loved it here. He never wanted to leave. But guess what? He made too much money, or he was going to make too much money. And uh, there wasn't much that could be done. I mean, there, there was something that could be done. I'm sure if he would have been willing to renegotiate his contract, maybe he could have stuck around. But if you're Nigel De Jong and you still have a reputation in Europe and you can still make millions of dollars in Europe, are you going to sacrifice that for a couple of months chilling at the beach in Manhattan Beach? Probably not. I think most of us would agree they'd go play in Turkey for, you know, $3 million, million a year. I think, I think we'd all make that sacrifice. So, farewell, Nigel De Jong. You're, you're a better player than, uh, I feel like people here give you credit for being. Uh, and, hopefully, and you know what? I'll tell you what, I didn't mind being in the league. I know people hated him. I know a lot of people thought he was dirty, but I thought he was a very good player. Now, back to the galaxy, they defeated the crew, and now all of a sudden we have a three way tie on points for second place in the Western Conference. we also have lake Colorado and l a all tied forty three points and running away with the West is none other than f c Dallas on fifty one points coming off an impressive victory over the portland timbers and and I tell you what I think i I don't think I'm jinxing them, but I think you can start chiseling the Supporters Shield tro- uh, trophy now. I think you can start putting FC Dallas' name on it because it's going to be hard for anyone to catch them. Um, anyone in the East, I think. I mean, right now they have eight point. They have an eight point lead on everyone in the e- in the Western Conference. Uh, NYCFC is seven points back, and FC Dallas actually goes to NYCFC, so. And NYCFC has a, a relatively easy schedule the rest of the way, so maybe, maybe NYCFC could catch them. but I tell you what, it's going to be tough. Big FC Dallas is looking good for the Supporters' Shield. Uh, credit to them, man. Credit to Asco Pereja. They's, they've had a good year. Obviously, the whole Fabio Castillo fiasco, which I got to tell you folks, I apologize that the SBI show was not rolling around that time of the, fia- of the Castillo fiasco, because we definitely could have had a field day with that. That was, and look, I think I, I think I said it on Twitter. If I didn't, I'll say it here. Don't blame FC Dallas for that. Blame Fabian Castillo and blame his agents because they saw the money or the possibilities in Europe and they convinced Fabian Castillo to basically say, screw you, Dallas. I'm going to go over here and see what I can do in Europe. And you know what? It's his prerogative. He can do what he wants. But uh, it, it was interesting to see a lot of people in Dallas who just couldn't imagine... Fabio Castillo betraying FC Dallas or, or or who were bought into the idea that he loved Dallas so much and, and you know the thing here's the thing you got to remember realize folks you see a lot of stuff you know whether it's social media whether it's interviews whether it's articles and players talk about how much they love these cities how much they love playing in X city and and, and on some level, there's always truth to this stuff, but at the same time, a lot of it's for show a lot of it's all it's just propaganda you know what's a player supposed to say? I hate it here i play, i've played at this city for twelve- ten years and and I think it's a it's it's a it's a cesspool <laughs> like i mean i look listen i i know i know players who've played in cities that they absolutely hate, it, but you would never know it because they would never admit it so I'm not saying Castillo hated Dallas, but I just found it interesting that, peop- that a lot of people were just amazed and actually fooled into believing that he loved Dallas and he would never turn his back on Dallas. But guess what? He couldn't wait to leave Dallas. So he's gone, uh, and it obviously hurts Dallas because they weren't able – because the timing of it all meant not being able to really replace him. So I think that's going to hurt him when it comes to the MLS Cup race um, – I, you know, I, I think I picked Dallas to win it all at the beginning of the year, but I feel like they're missing a piece when it comes to winning it all. So I'm not sold yet. We'll see what Oscar Prey can do, but the Supporters Shield I think is definitely headed down to Frisco. So we'll see what happens with the rest of the Western Conference. It's a it's totally up in the air right now. You have Colorado coming back down to earth. Apparently, people in Colorado are panicking. Uh, I'm here in Jacksonville, uh, actually just, just grabbed some dinner with Marcelo Balboa and it, it, I was on his show, uh, uh, over the weekend and, and he, uh, I mean, it sounds to, I mean, at least talking to him, like people in Colorado are panicking a little bit, like the wheels are starting to come off and it's like, man, how quick, it's funny how spoiled people get quickly, right? Cause Colorado was an absolute train wreck for two years now they put together a 15-match unbeaten streak. They're the surprise of the season. They're, they're, you know, they're gonna make the playoffs most likely. And but, but now people are going are freaking out because now they're not looking like an MLS Cup contender. Now they're looking like vulnerable. Settle down, settle down, folks. Jermaine, I, Jermaine Jones will be back. He's gonna make a big difference. And I think Colorado's gonna be in the conversation. Do I see them winning a title? Not this year. Not this year. But I think they're going to be a they're a playoff team and I think with a healthy Jermaine Jones they're going to be a handful for anybody. So we'll see how we'll see how that goes and uh last thing about the Western Conference. I know I'm rambling here and apologies apologies if this show is below the usual standard of the SBI show because uh, like I told you, I'm in Jacksonville. I wanted to get a show out and Uh, Just to kind of get the ball rolling again on the SBI show, uh, I still need to figure out how I'm going to handle this show going forward, the format. Uh, I don't think I'm going to have a a co-host. I think we're going to have guests. I think that's going to be the plan, Uh, have guests, more guests regularly, more more interviews uh, that will be spiced into the show. I think that's the kind of format I'm going to go with, go for. I'll obviously have colleagues on. Uh, I'm sure my man Paul Tenorio. We'll be back on the show. But as far as a regular co host, a regular uh, a la the days of Garrett Cleverly and myself, I don't I don't think we're gonna do that. I just think for me it's just gonna be a lot easier to, to kind of manage it. And hopefully you know what? Hopefully I can keep things rolling and get us back in a good rhythm. I definitely apologize profusely for, for kind of disappearing on you guys in the summer. But it was just it was just with the Copa America and everything I had going on, it was just a lot, you know and I, and I was really burnt out by the end of Copa uh, through the summer. and I, I think it really took me a while to kind of get get my bearings together and I'm still working my way back. I mean I haven't even really gotten back on the, on the horse with Facebook either. You know I was doing Facebook live uh, videos and all that. So hopefully now Labor Day is coming gone. The fall is almost here. My batteries are recharged, and hopefully we can keep this all rolling again. Uh, apologies for the tangent, but the last thing I'll do will wrap up with the Eastern Conference in MLS, and NYCFC is holding on to first place. And how about Frank Lampard? I'll be the first one to say I thought he was a terrible signing. I thought, well, at that well, when he signed, I thought it was it, I didn't I thought he was a good signing, but obviously with the injuries, with the time, to- with with through the Man City loan and coming late, getting injured, and then starting this season injured, he was looking like an awful, awful signing. But guess what, folks? The man has crushed it since he's come back. And Patrick Vieira, man, this guy, for me, I mean, he's up there for Coach of the Year. uh, Because, I mean, the faith that he showed in Lampard, I mean, I remember asking Vieira about Lampard back in March, and he didn't blink. When he said he totally believed in Lampard, that we going to be patient with Lampard, that we going to take their time, and that they still believe that he could be an impact player. And guess what, folks? The the man has been one of the absolute best players in the league since he's come back from uh, from his injuries. And, and with him in there, with Pirlo playing well, with David Villa scoring goals, I mean, they could be they are they are an MLS Cup contender. And I would not I I could not have imagined saying that when the season began. But they really put a good team together. Look, they still have questions defensively. That defense is still not a sure thing. That defense still... If if there's an Achilles heel, it's clearly the defense, right? But if that defense... If if, if they can even have an average defense... With the midfield that they have now, with Villa up top... I mean they're tough they're tough and the great thing for them they finally figured out how to play at home for those of you who remember when they began the year they, they had like one win in their first nine home games it was ter- they were terrible they just couldn't get out of their own way at home now they they've gotten used to playing on that that narrow narrow field a tiny tiny field, postage stamp of a field that they play on uh and they're making it work to their advantage so you know what they're looking like a contender but there's a couple of teams that are going to have something to say about that, and that's and uh, the New York Red Bulls and uh, Toronto FC. And New York Red Bulls, they just went to Vancouver without Sasha a and they won on the road, finally closing out a game on the road. They, they're a team that's had their issues uh, taking care of business on the road. Uh, so for them to get that win, that's huge for them. Uh, keep the pressure on NYCFC. Right now, the Red Bulls are one point behind NYCFC, uh, and... We're, what, six games to go? So that's a pretty tough, tough race there. And the other team is Toronto FC, who, uh, you know, they, they overcame a rash of injuries in the summer. They had a lot of young guys step up for them, and uh, they're in the race. Even though javinko has got a, a bit of an injury now, I think they're going to be fine. I mean, Josie Altidore's playing great. Michael Bradley's playing well. Will Johnson is playing well, and now he's, play- he's going to be in- motivated, I think, by... The snub from Canada from uh, you know their decision not to call them in for qualifying, and they're going to be right there. Those are the three teams to beat in the eastern Conference and and you know what for me, NYC FC and the Red Bulls, you got to put them in the MLS Cup conversation. you do. I don't know about Toronto FC I want to put them in, but I don't know. there's something there. There's something there that's keeping me from saying, okay, they're a legitimate contender for MLS Cup. I mean, they have all the pieces, right? They have Javinko, Bradley, Altidore, Clint Irwin will come back eventually. Drew Moore's helped defensively. Will Johnson has won MLS Cups two different places. So yeah, I mean, I guess Toronto FC's in the combo, but I don't know. I don't know. I think there's something that tells me not Toronto FC, not this year. But we'll see. We'll see. So. It's anyone's. It's it's a, the good thing about it. It's wide open. Here we are, beginning of September, and there is no clear cut MLS Cup favorite. There's no team. I mean, FC Dallas has the best record in the league, but I don't know if anyone's looking at them as a clear cut favorite to win it all. I mean, Seattle isn't even in playoff position right now, and I'd give them a chance to win it. Seattle is is, is four points out of a playoff spot in the West, and I, if they got into the playoffs, I I would not. Put it, hold it again I would not rule it out that they could win Nick Nicolas Lodero has been unbelievable so we'll see I think it's gonna be a fun couple months in MLS this is this is going be I think this is going to be one of the most exciting stretch runs in league history so we'll see what happens there um, obviously we're still a few days away it's the international fixture break uh, so there's no games now. Uh, the SBI show will be back. I will be back with a with a show, probably Thursday, if not definitely Friday, where we'll go over everything that happened in USA Trinidad, the rest of the Concacaf qualifying. And uh, I look, and we'll look ahead to the the, the action in MLS uh, going forward. But that that's it. I think we've covered a lot of a lot of topics. But like I said, apologies for the time off, and apologies for the for the, the if this show's quality is not the best. Uh, obviously, I, the microphone issue is one thing, and me just being a little rusty is another. And um, you know, also the fact that it's now 5 a.m. Mind you, this is I'm 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 committed. I'm committed, folks. I'm committed to getting back on the horse and getting the SBI show back into your regular rotation. So uh, if you managed to make it all the way to the end of this, thank you for listening to the whole thing. Sorry if it was too long. I'll get the hang of that sooner than than later. So uh, that's it from here in Jacksonville. Like I said, I'll be back later in the week to go over the game, the National Team game, MLS and everything else. I'm sorry we weren't able to get to the college stuff. We will definitely get to the college stuff eventually. But that's all for now. I'm Ivan Filarse. This is the FBI Show.